My name is Britt Hicks, and you are listening to another Exvangelical podcast. Hey, 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 Uh, real quick, before you listen to this episode, could you pause, or I think you can do it while you continue to listen, but could you leave me a review on whatever streaming device that you're listening to? That would help out tremendously. Give us five stars, give us a good review, and share. Share this with your friends, your family, your enemies, anyone that you think could benefit from this podcast, even if you don't think they could benefit. Send it to them. Share it. All right. That's all. This episode is sponsored by Color Splash. Color Splash is a camp for youth in the LGBTQIA plus community. For more information about Color Splash, go to colorsplashout.org and get your kids signed up for camp. Camp is at the end of July this year and it is so much fun. I will be a camp counselor. Again, if you have any questions or you want information, go to colorsplashout.org. On with the show. All right. So this week we have Rick Diamond with us. Rick, would you um, introduce yourself and say how we met? Sure. Uh, I'm Rick Diamond. I was a college English teacher for 10 years in my first career and then was a a mainline Christian pastor, associate pastor, education pastor for 10 years, and then left that world. And for about 17 years, I think, I was uh, the pastor slash co-pastor slash cat wrangler of a very non-traditional, weird beautiful experimental shit show uh in austin faith community am i allowed to say shit show is that yeah yeah you can say shit show yeah well it was that that is completely appropriate and um and then a couple of years ago i decided to do something else and so i became a spiritual director and i'd already been a retreat leader and for years and um worked with men and um, men's wellness and health, which is, you know, that's a never ending saga in our culture and, um, and have, and have, and, uh, let's see what else now I'm teaching some online classes, which is fun and leading a men's group here in town and writing and illustrating a children's book, uh, about, a boy who is a prince who learns about other ways of being in the world other than the patriarchal world of power and blah 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 kids won't know that that's what it's about they'll just think it's cool because there's a prince and his best friend sophie who's his cousin and their dog heidi and blah 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 blah. anyway um gosh how long ago was it that you and i met at seminary i don't even know i can't even keep track of what year that was or whatever I think it might have been 2021. I think that's gotcha. a very loose so, thing. A couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, we've both come a long way since then and are doing new things. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. Because you moved back to Texas. Right. We moved, uh, my wife, Christina, and I moved to Santa Fe and um, it was COVID time. So everybody was learning how to do things remotely anyway. And, um, and we did some sort of life thinking and resetting and, you know, the figurative uh, Jewish scriptures travel to the desert and then uh, let some stuff get burned away. And then we said, we really miss home. So we moved back to Austin last fall and we are really happy to be back. Did y'all get lost and wander around in the desert for a little bit? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, otherwise, why go? You know right. I mean? um, and we both, there were whole seasons of our two years in Santa Fe where we just go, what are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> Why did we come here? What's happening? And, you know, it would not be uh, uh, ter- much of a stretch to, you know, say, and the children, children of Israel said to Moses, why did you bring us to the desert? Just if we're going to come out here to die, aren't there graves in Egypt? I mean, come on. And queso, so, there's queso here. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Now, I will say that there are some wonderful things about Santa Fe and northern New Mexico that we will cherish forever, but it just wasn't home, and we missed being here with our people and our, you know, dear friends in Austin. I mean, you know, it's Austin. Um, So, yeah, we are back, and we're glad to be back. Yeah, we were missing a little bit of the weirdness, so we're Mm -hmm. glad to have Mm -hmm. y'all back. That's for sure. Happy to. We brought some with us in our moving van. (laughs) <laughs> and we are happy to let our freak flags fly. Yes. So yes, we're good. Flag fly. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is an evangelical podcast. What what made you decide like, hey, I, I don't mind being interviewed for this? Uh, first of all, because you are awesome and you asked me. That alone <laughs> is reason to do this. I, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this uh, yesterday and today. I was, I don't know that I was ever fully evangelical. I was raised Presbyterian by two um, parents who were raised in the 40s and 50s as good Baptists in Central Texas, which is where all my people are from. And um, they uh, got pregnant at Baylor University. Hmm. Um, and then ha- I was, and then, uh, as David Copperfield says at the beginning of the book uh, by Dickens, I am born. So I was born and then, um, they moved to California to get away from their story. You know, they're, but they were both poor. They were both, you know, just little rural small town kids who went to a Baptist school and, you know, screwed up and blah, 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 whatever their story was for themselves. And they went to LA and um, they looked like um, uh, the perfect little new frontier couple. He had a flat top and a white, you know, button down shirt and a black skinny tie. And she looked like Mary Tyler Moore. And they became Presbyterians. And I, my father and I talked about it years and years later. And he said, I just needed to, I needed to be someplace that my upbringing was not, Mm. you know, um, and so off and on, I was a, a Presbyterian after my mom's second marriage and divorce. We, my sister and she and I uh, moved to Corpus Christi. We were living in South Texas before that. And the the St. John's United Methodist Church was catty cornered from our rat hole apartment complex. And 
So on Sunday, we wandered over there and the Methodists took us in, which was lovely. And then I ended up hilariously for, it's another whole story, going to Baylor University as an undergrad, but I considered myself a Methodist, I guess. Although, you know, it was a, hey, now I'm at, at college and nobody can make me go to church. So I'm going to go worship at the Church of the Sheets and, you know, Our Lady of Perpetual Sunday morning sleep in. Um Funny side note about being at a, a evangelical school like Baylor was and is um, uh, uh, Sunday lunch in the biggest student, you know, the cafeteria on campus was a huge spread. It was great. Sunday lunch was the best food of the week. And um, everybody I knew, except for a couple of really committed Christian kids, would sleep in Sunday, wake up put on their church clothes and go to the cafeteria for lunch on Sunday. And that was only one of the many things that I looked at about my religious experience and thought, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> so I married a college girl and we had kids and went to church, quote unquote, for the kids. We went to a Methodist church in East Texas and um, none of this made any sense to me. And I, I just did, I didn't want to do this, and I the 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 whole I, all of that sort of um, facade. I just knew I could already see there was a man behind the curtain. I could feel you know the little spirit of Toto pulling the curtain back. Um, I was an English major. I was an English teacher. I thought a lot about story and this hilarious, smart, super sly pastor at our little Methodist church came and said have you ever read the book of Mark as a story? And I said, you mean like the gospel of Mark? And he said, yeah, you know, with a main character and supporting characters and a beginning and a middle and an end, a narrative arc, a climax moment and a resolution of conflict. And I said, get the, what, what are you, what, what? And that was hooked. Like I became absolutely, I fell in love with the idea of the text and story and metaphor and I, I, none of what evangelicalism talks about, at least in my experience in the South, um, made any sense to me ever again, not that it ever had. Um, so so I was never a person who thought about in terms of, you know, who thought about salvation, quote unquote. I never bought the idea that, um, that God um, would send people who had not prayed a particular prayer to eternal damnation. I mean, I was just, what kind of shit God would that be? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. And then, and then there was also the whole idea of um, the, the idea of biblical inerrantism and biblical and fundamentalist reading of scripture. And I just was like, I can't, I can't, what, 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 what are we doing? And um so, yeah. And then um, a huge part of my quote unquote ministry over the years has been to take in wounded mm. people who have been wounded by um, evangelical and overly doctrinally um, condemning. And what, you know, I have told people over the years, a huge part of my job was just to say to people, you're not going to burn in hell. You're mm. okay. You, God does not hate you. Um, so I, so yeah. I'm a, uh, I'm a big proponent of having a different way of experiencing spirituality and community um, than based on a 
on a particular set of uh, rules, regs, um, doctrine. Um, I'm a firm believer that the worst thing that could ever happen in Jesus's message was that the Catholic, the Roman Empire and the Catholic Church that followed it picked him up as their mascot and made it a world religion. It's it's the worst. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, that's, what that's, what do you think Jesus would say about Christianity today? Not the um, not the publication, but. Yeah. Christian, Christian today. He <laughs> loves it, reads it every <laughs> with his coffee. Um, right. Um, I'm, uh, uh, what would Jesus say about Christianity? I have the feeling that Jesus says through prophetic messengers over and over and over. Um, I think that Jesus is, is a prophetic messenger. You know what I mean? I have no interest in Christology. Uh, or the idea that, you know, Jesus is not human like the rest of us. And I think you, he was a light bearer and there are lots of beautiful light bearers and um, he's my particular brand of light bearing, you know what I mean? But I'm also fascinated by and am in love with uh, so many parts of Buddhism and Islam and Judaism and on and on and on. Um, uh, I, I think that when the divine that is about love. Um, and for me, that's what Jesus is embodying. Um, looks at the institutional church. Um, uh, in the movie, The Last Temptation of Christ, and I also love the novel, The Last Temptation of Christ. The movie, Last Temptation of Christ, there's a scene where um, Jesus has had a vision of uh, John the Baptist and Jesus goes into the desert and has his whole testing experience and then he's sitting with one of john the baptist's disciples a guy named jeroboam who is somebody that's of character in the movie and um jeroboam says so what are you gonna you need to go back back up to where you came from you don't, you don't get to stay out here in the desert and be a monk and he was like well what do i talk about and he said well do you love mankind and jesus says i just feel sorry for him that's all and Jeroboam says, well, that's enough. Mm -hmm. You know, my gosh, if you feel sorry for people, just go help them. And I think that that's what Jesus would say and does say to, to the church all the time, which is, y'all, y'all, oh my God, do you see how people are hurting? Um, I was never about rules and regs. I was never about I mean, the only people Jesus ever gets wildly pissed off at are um, religious people. Yep. Um, and yep. the and the gatekeepers and the ones who say this is the law and we have to obey the law. I mean, I think part of what he's doing a lot of the time is just knocking shit over. You know what I mean? Just to. And now, why why don't you guys wash your hands? What's the big deal with washing your hands? That's what we do. That's our ritual. That's we're supposed to watch our wash our hands. That's what the law says. Yeah, I'm just really getting sick of the law all the way around. Um, and, you know, and then he does the thing that Malcolm X does. And he does the thing that Martin Luther King does, which is to move from this idea of a message of peace and healing and, uh, and moves into critique of the larger power structure. And that's when they kill you. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, we can't have him causing trouble. And so what does the church do for the last 1500 years? It, executes drives out and silences those who ask questions so let's see what would jesus say today not much we keep that brother quiet yeah you know what i mean yeah 
I just picture Jesus being a cat, right? Just kind of like <laughs> knocking things down, like just a little bit at a time, and then poop. Uh-huh. <laughs> poop. Wow, hooped. What what happened to that holy vase that we all right? love so much? Clang. Yeah. All all yeah. the with all the ashes of the saints from the past mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. billowing up. And uh, the cat is using it as his box. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> ashes are a great cat box. Yeah. I love the book uh, by Tech Sample that came out, God, I don't know, 30 years ago. Sacred cows make gourmet burgers. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think Jesus is making gourmet burgers every time somebody will let a sacred cow get close enough to him. You know, I mean, I, when you ask the question, what would Jesus say to the church as he sees it now? You're doing that, right? Mm-hmm. What you are doing is what Jesus would say to the church. Yeah, yeah. You should just add like fire up the grill on that. <laughs> <laughs> Could you grab some buns? <laughs> Everybody come around. What are we having? Yeah. Sacred cow burgers. Sacred cow burgers. Yeah. I can, I can make a vegetarian one. Um, mm-hmm. uh, um, so I, you were a pastor for a while. And what were some of the most um, baffling things that your congregants told you of what they had experienced. Do you mean baffling as in surprising or baffling in as in heartbreaking or enraging or all the above? It it didn't take long for the surprise to wear off. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, And having grown up a good boy in church and then having left that just in terms of my own worldview and my own sense of myself and God and all that stuff. Um not much shocked me there was a there was a six a little part in the middle um i'm 62 now so that tells you my uh, age range in terms of the consciousness revolutions of the 60s and 70s when i was let's see middle middle school yeah early 1970s and the jesus people hippie jesus movement was happening um my mother and first of many stepfathers and my sister and I were attending a like a charismatic um, uh, uh, fundamentalist church, house church that met in the chapel of the Marine Military Academy in Harlingen, Texas, down in the valley. And um, mm. it was super screwed up. I mean, it was, you know, it was cult. Uh, behavior in every sense that has to do with how power is used the senior pastor quote unquote was i mean these are just all hippies right so the senior pastor was a guy who um his word was the law and um he and his wife uh, had a house and then they had another couple who had all of the young unmarried women living in that house and then the, another uh, couple had all the young unmarried men living in that house, and the pastor would rename everybody uh, when they became part of this fellowship. And the elders whom he had handpicked would decide when the spirit had told them that uh, who should marry whom. And, you know, I mean, and it was very, we were preaching from the word, we're preaching from the word, we're preaching from the word. Um, 
and and so over as a pastor and, and even before that just as a regular person like you know teaching a bible study quote unquote when i was before i became a pastor went to seminary etc by the way um, i went to perkins seminary at smu in my early 30s when i was first thinking about going into ministry and i loved the fact that they were asking all these great questions and kicking the tires and opening the hood and and you know letting all this light shine into all this stuff that's just assumed and at one point i said to one of the professors in the middle of class why aren't you telling people this like why are why are the only people why are the only people who are thinking about this stuff are in these buildings or or work here like you know and the guy said nobody wants to hear this shit no, you know nobody wants to think this hard nobody wants to nobody wants to look at the fact that there are two completely unrelated birth narratives in the gospels we want to cram three wise men into a stable we can't help ourselves even though there's two stories that have nothing to do with each other that have completely different agendas take place on different timelines etc we just want our christmas nativity scene and i just thought you're right you're right you're right you're right so then the the question about what did i find shocking or or sad or or uh, frustrating or whatever about the church and how it wounds people is that for the people who say wait a minute i don't know if i want i, I think i do want to ask about my nativity scene and fill in the blank i i think i do have a question about you know what about god salvation sin uh, uh rules and regs worship how am I supposed to behave? I, I really, I'm not really sure I believe X, Y, Z anymore. That what happens over and over is that they just get persecuted and hurt and driven out and crushed and killed and silenced and shamed, 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 shamed. Um, so it's everything from um, my parents told me that if I uh, wouldn't stop asking questions. Um, you know, the first 10 times my mother slapped me across the face when I said, I don't know that I believe what they just taught us in Sunday school. I just quit saying, I don't believe what they taught us in Sunday school. Right. I mean, from that sort of really abusive, scary to the other abuse, which is that I came out to my parents and they said they love me too much to accept the way I am. And so I'm kicked out of the family, blah, 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 because they love God. Or um my parents won't i've fallen in love with a jewish man and my parents won't come to the wedding or or um uh, uh, uh there's the classic um is it okay uh, and people would wander into the faith community where i worked in austin for a long time and they'd say is it okay if i just sit here and, and i would say sure i mean what do you I just don't know if I, I don't know. I'm, my wife doesn't even know I'm here. You know what I mean? Like, like the fact that they felt that they had to somehow hide that they were looking for some other expression of their faith or, or um, that they, that they somehow really didn't have permission just to follow what they're, they were hungry for or not finding elsewhere or whatever. One woman in her 30s, walked in one Sunday at Journey, um, the uh, faith community where I worked, and it was the usual before worship starts, beehive, people are all over the place, stuff is happening. 
everybody's talking, blah, blah, blah. We didn't have a stage. We moved the chairs every week, mass hysteria. And this woman who obviously had figured out who the pastor was, um, walked up to me and looked at me and she had bell bottoms on and big hair. And um, she just glared at me. And I said, hi, I don't know you. And she said, I'm such and such. And she pointed at me and she said, if you lie to me ever, I will fucking walk out of here. Wow. And I just thought we we have a winner, ladies and gentlemen. This is <laughs> somebody who wants this. She, you yeah. know what I mean? And it turns yeah. out she had come from a super strict background and had made the gigantic leap to actually go someplace where she was able to question and find her own expression and sense of and path and whatever else of her faith or non-faith. And I loved the fact that she just said, I've been lied to. Don't lie to me. Yeah. And they go on and on. Yeah. Well, but what, what possessed? That's a good word, right? Um <laughs> <laughs> I'll just use it. What possessed you to want to start a church and journey church specifically? Um, I had worked at a Methodist church in East Texas for six years. I had an opportunity to do a doctorate um, in the, what was then the postmodern church movement or the idea of an emerging church or a new church that was about 1998-ish, I think. And I did that for three years and um, graduated in 2001. And um, a church in Austin, a mega church, uh, contacted me and said, hey, we've heard about you because of somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. Um, would you come and meet with us? And they said, hey, come. We, we need to go through. We, we're at a point where we're about to be 25 years old and we need to go through some renewal and some rethinking and some reimagining. And would you come and do that? Uh, and so I did. And I was there for three years. And in some ways, it was a really great fit. And in some ways, it was a terrible fit. And um I, i'm not a mega church person like that's not my model for spirituality but i got that there was this really strong sense of community in that larger church and a bunch of sub communities which were really great and they were super into um uh, uh um 12-step work and etc 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 and um I just it was just not the right fit and i kept i mean i remember the day that i said i think we should have communion and they looked at me like I like we can't have communion. There are three thousand people here, and I was like, so once upon a time, Jesus gathered a bunch of people <laughs> and said, "Okay, everybody, I want you to divide into groups and share what you have, and we're going to have you know feed five thousand people, whatever." Um, so I kept thinking we started a weird, small, worshipy gathering art thing, um, and I kept thinking this is. I think it's supposed to be like this. Um, and then uh, I left that church and a bunch of people said, well, what if we did that other weird thing? <laughs> and that's really what happened. Um, I mean, technically I got fired by the big church, mm -hmm. but it was because they wanted me to be more like what they wanted me to be like. And I just didn't want to. And I just said, no. And they said, well, let, then let's all just agree that you're not supposed to do this. And I said, that's, why don't we agree that? And um, so I, so I wasn't, I didn't set out to start a church. I'm not a church planter. Um, mm -hmm. That was not, I had no interest in doing that, but 
um, the need was there and the moment was there. And there were a group of people who said, well, what if we just tried it? And I uh, was there for 17 years and it went through a lot of changes and so on. But the cool thing was that at the very beginning, the first thing we did over like a year was just bleed out church, like, like um, detox, like let people just tell their story, you know, and talk about what they loved about where they had come from and what they hated about what they'd come, where they'd come from and what they, you know, what was meaningful for them. And, um, it turns out that the church that evolved, the faith community that evolved, just said we have no we have no doctrine, mm-hmm. we have no no question is off the table. We have one thing that we want to do. We just took it. I mean, you know, Jesus is a good resource for this sort of thing, and he drew on his scripture. You know, what's the most most important commandment? Love God, love people, and so we just said, well, what would it be like to be a community where that's our that's our thing? Like that's what this is for. Mm-hmm. And that's really, that's why I wanted to do that was to sort of see how that might work and try it out. Um, it's a mess. It's a mess. It's a, it is a mess. It is a, such a disaster. Like I said earlier, it's a shit show and it was beautiful and <laughs> it's still doing its thing. I, I'm so happy that it's still just figuring itself out. I mean, I, I hope that it never stops figuring itself out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did y'all do communion at journey or do they? Hell do- yeah. Hell so, yeah. <laughs> what, what is it about communion that is so special to you? Well, it wasn't really necessarily communion as much as it was the idea of people not just looking at the back of each other's heads. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I'm firm. I have no interest in there being two sacraments or three sacraments or seven sacraments. I don't believe in the idea of the means of grace being how God is accessible to people. I think that's just all about control mm-hmm. and, and repression. Um, but but this idea that there are some things to do that connect people to each other and to, to spirit, I couldn't care less what those are. You know what I mean? Um, communion is just a really great one. Um, and we did it every time different, any way that we could think of that would be meaningful for the particular theme or season that we were in. We would just say, well, this, and we didn't do it on any regular basis. Um, we did it when we felt like it was, time to do it and we then we would just say well you know what at the end of this whole thing that we're doing about um uh uh, about uh, being of service like let's do eight weeks on what it means to serve and one week is how to serve and not be a doormat and one week is Mm -hmm. jesus saying turn the other cheek and don't back down and stare back at your oppressor and one week we can talk about the idea of blah 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 and at the end what if we did um communion and what we did was we had about 20 different kinds of bread some of which is gluten-free and we had about and we by the way we did not use wine at journey because um and i realize that this is a choice that different faith communities make but uh, we had so many 12-step people um that we just thought i mean what and then a couple of people left early on look if we can't have uh, wine uh, at the at, then why why are, what's wrong with them why can't they and I was like why can't you I mean what what you can't you can, I mean it's just it's just, just a sip yeah. I mean come is it that I mean seriously well yeah. that's just not what's in the is it is it is it <laughs> is it is it 
I mean, we did a lot of what's the cup and what's a container. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I really like a hymn. Well, is it the hymn or is it the tradition that connects you to something meaningful for you? In which case, it's not the hymn. It's the feeling of connectedness to your tradition. Mm -hmm. And so, sure, we could sing a hymn once in a while or we could sing something else. Or how about not singing? What if we just don't sing? Yeah, but church is about singing. But I don't like singing. And especially, I don't like singing something stupid. <laughs> And so on. So communion was never the point. But what if there's a bunch of juice and some people don't like grape juice, in which case we'll do some apple juice. And then we'll also have some sparkling seltzer. And um, for the thing that happens at the end of the servanthood unit, we feed each other mm. as opposed to. Right. So and we just made it up and did all kinds of weird things um, or not weird. So in answer to your question, it wasn't about communion, per se, or foot washing or confession or anything else it was about just having tools where people could be connected and feel um feel something yeah you know just something something honest one true thing you know robert bly the poet and translator and genius wonderful uh, visionary prophetic um voice said that um he grew up in a farm in Moose Lake, Minnesota, and he was a good Lutheran boy and a good Norwegian. And he went off to school and um, learned how to be a scholar back east and then cracked up, hit the wall, moved back to Moose Lake, Minnesota and to the farm and said, I have to find how to be honest. And so he said he would sit by a tree all day until an honest thought came to him. And he said, and sometimes the honest thought was, wow, this is really a beautiful tree. But it was true. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so for him, it was necessary to strip away all of his, you know, refined what, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. For other people, that may not be necessary. I found that a lot of helping people with the wounds of church or the baggage of church or the trappings of church or the or the um, left the leftover the scarring of church was um, the process of letting go of things that were not true. Mm -hmm. um, Robert Bly also says in a great book called the, "A Little Book About the Human Shadow" that as we're being raised, we all put the unacceptable things in a bag that we drag behind us, and by the time we're you know about to go off to college or whatever, for some of us, the bag is a mile long because we've crammed so much shit in the big you know and so much of it is in shadow but so much of it is also magnificence you know what i mean i don't be too whatever don't be too whatever and we cram that in the bag too so for me part of uh spiritual healing is to have the courage and and container and safety to take things out of the bag and just look at them like why did i feel like it wasn't okay to ask a question yeah. Or they told me I had to sing verses one, two, and four. What happened to poor verse three? You know what I mean? What right, what happened yeah. to verse three? Which was never going to be about verse three. It was always about this idea that there is a format that we have to follow when we are in worship. What what the hell is worship? Do you know what I mean? Like what what is so the so for me a big part of this is just un un taking stuff out of the bag. And having other people around to say it's okay, it's okay. Yeah. You know, end of the end of global hunting. It's not your fault. Yeah. It's not your fault. It's not your fault.
Yeah. It's like uh, Marie, what is her name? Marie Kondo, like Marie Kondoing everything. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that you, you know, you kept me, mm-hmm. you know, you protected me at this time, but now it's time mm-hmm. to, to Absolutely. let you go. Absolutely. And it doesn't mean that it's, uh, I mean, yeah, we have some things that were hurtful or harmful that we have to process what that felt like. Um, and that's a good thing to do too. I mean, you know, some of what needed to happen was just some good old fashioned yelling. Mm-hmm. Um, once ending, we had an old copier that was no good that we would try to get rid of. And finally we just said, why are we trying to sell or get rid of this copier that doesn't work? So we put it out in the church parking lot and let people for, um, for one minute have a sledgehammer. They had to wear gloves and um, goggles, safety goggles. Yeah. And um, we just called it, um, I think, rage Arama or the sacrament of rage or something. And we just said <laughs> the, th- the thing, the, the message that needs to be silenced, beat it up. You know what I mean? Like what? Yeah. So, and I do think that there's something to this idea of saying, um, this is the pain that I experienced and also saying, and this is the, gift that was in that for me like mm-hmm. you said you know marie kondo thank you shirt that i keep carrying around for 17 <laughs> years that doesn't fit me right. it's time for you to go yeah yeah you know I mean? that your wife has probably tried to throw away a few times and you're like no no are no, you no. kidding <laughs> no sweetheart don't touch it <laughs> yeah my uh my wife and i've been uh together for under five just under five years married for uh four and um, I was, you know, in my mid fifties when we got together. And one of the first things she did was just sit down with me and say, I would like to talk to you about your clothes, which I <laughs> appreciated a lot. <laughs> Why are you wearing this three X t-shirt? What is that? What does that mean to you? Cause it's comfortable. Well, like we have bills. <laughs> right, exactly. Honey, don't you remember that you told me over a year and a half that you lost about 50 pounds? Is this necessary oh. right now? Well, but it is this necessary? Do you need this shirt? Do you need this shirt? Do you need this doctrine? Do you need this worship format? Do you need to believe in the necessity of the blood of Jesus? Do you need that? Do we have to keep dragging this around from town to town and place to place and thing to thing? Okay, fine. Just get rid of it. I mean, that's, you know what I mean? That's good, brave, powerful work. I think that that's what all the people, the women and men following Jesus around are doing as well. You know what I mean? It's not that they uh, don't love their God or their church or their religion or their path or their whatever. They do love it. That's why they're hurt by it. That's why they want another something else. That's why they want a fresh expression of it. They're hungry, you know? Yeah, you mentioning the songs makes me think of, uh, or the hymns. <laughs> I preached at this, I was doing pulpit supply a lot um, a couple of years ago, and I preached at this church in the hill country and literally had to do the entire service from start to end, same spot in the pulpit, camera on me the entire time, led the songs, yep. did everything, yep. Yep. and I don't know any, I still don't know anything about Presbyterians. Um, definitely don't know anything about their hymns, but I kind of just went on whatever I was going to preach on, picked out some hymns, got there. Mm-hmm. And the guy that was playing the piano said, I don't know these songs, <laughs> but he was, he was playing, you know, like some old Baptist hymns that I knew. I'm like, let's do those. Like I can sure. 
I okay. know these songs, especially like now I'm realizing like since I had to sing these songs, like I should have known them uh -huh. as well. And okay. we needed one more song. And I'm like, this should be easy, right? And so there's only a handful of people, maybe five people there. And that's including me and my wife. And okay. I asked, I was like, so what, what other songs should we do? And this one person jumps up eagerly. And when I came in, they were reading out of judges. Um, Great. Yeah. And they said, that's a laugh, right? Christian soldier. Onward Christian soldier. I'm like, sure. Oh, why not? And then yeah, why not? Sure. You can Imperialism see at its best. That's fine. <laughs> and you can just see my face, I guess, because I, I know the song, I know it's a horrible song, but I didn't really realize how bad it was until mm -hmm. I started singing it and going, and you can see my eyes just going, oh my God. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> how did you process that? Like when you are, because you're such a person who is in both, you know, in both worlds that you yeah. speak, speak church and understand church and that you're outside of it in the sense that you have a larger perspective about spiritual things and life things and cultural things how do you what's it like to be in both of those places how do you navigate that I, that's a huge question but i'm just right. curious about it because you've just I, given this example and I, I think the first thing that really pops up is i'm a nine so you know i'm just like i'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to cause a disturbance you want to sing on christian soldier mm -hmm. it's important sure. to you sure mm -hmm. this is a small town church and also, mm -hmm. I knew I was going to preach like a very queer heavy message that they probably were not ready for. But I was also lazy and didn't want to write a new sermon. So I'm like, I'm just going to pull one from the archives. <laughs> I had a lot that was going on that week. So I'm like, I'll trade you your onward Christian soldier for my very sure. queer heavy, Nadia Bolt, whatever, sure. you know, Harvey sure. Milk message and uh the pastor needed someone to preach the next week i was like i'll do it and he's like thank you so much you're very eager no thanks mm -hmm. thank <laughs> you for that and we would like to pray about that <laughs> and then we will have our people yeah yeah our people my people will call or what is it <laughs> let mm -hmm. us call you don't call us mm -hmm, but yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i think i think that's a perfect embodiment of the of response which is, what's it like to be in both worlds i mm. i will trade your onward christian soldiers for my queer heavy sermon <laughs> you know it's great that's great it's yeah. you know what i mean and jesus went every friday as was his custom to the synagogue you know what i mean <laughs> they're gonna say to it, the drag show but yeah yeah that too right i mean the guy's wearing drag a robe drag. i'm just saying no, I mean, you know what I mean? Like he was yeah. in his church world and he was outside of his church world. And the people who could get with that got in on it. And the people who couldn't wanted him out. Yeah. You know, this is not a new story. You know what I mean? We're just part of a long, lovely tradition. Yeah. I've been reading some books from, you know, it's seminary. Night, the 1920s and 1930s and just how it parallels with what's going on now mm, you know mm -hmm. in the 2020s and mm -hmm. soon to be 2030s it's terrifying and mm -hmm. um and, and now i'm thinking about the book list you gave us for the uh the evangelism and missions mm -hmm. class and it's mm -hmm. just so like eerie and surreal yeah it's real it's yeah, you know the idea that, that it, in Germany and it's just mm -hmm. 
I mean, that's a whole nother topic, but like you were saying, (laughs) you know, it it feels like it's, it's the same thing, but a different time, you know, like, I feel like we've, we should have progressed so much more than we have. I mean, Mm -hmm. as far as like queer rights, we've come a ways, but we're also, we've got one Senator that is just after us, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, yeah. So it's, Oh, this is a good question for you. Where where do you find hope in all of this craziness that's going on? Um, that is a great question. And I think it's an important question for everybody, right? And the reason I think it's important is because there's a, James Fowler's Stages of Faith um, talks about, this is 50 years old. I don't know how old. Um, he talks about the idea that um, introductory early faith is magical. You know, it's the faith of little children um, and everything can be true at the same time. You know, I, why did you paint your horse orange and purple? Why not? Right. Yeah. And uh, God is just a big, beautiful, loving ball of whatever in the sky and God's a flower and God's da 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 and mommy's God. And, da, da, da. and then we get into like elementary school faith, rigid faith that is true. Things are true because the rules say that they are true. Um. And I get it, right? The teacher says it's true. Mama mm-hmm. says it's true. The Bible tells me so, right? Or yeah. whatever. Um, and the observation that I've made over the years, and this is not original to me, is that many, many people, especially people who come from a more fundamentalist or evangelical background, that's as far as their faith ever goes. Mm-hmm. Right? That's it. Yeah. And so there has to be some way for things to make sense. Um, the next step of faith, the next stage of faith is the individuation of asking questions and being open and mm-hmm. being willing to entertain many contradictions at the same time. And then comes the beauty of mature faith, which is magic again. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like everything yeah. is possible and et cetera. Well, the question then becomes, how do I deal with a world on the one hand that is so in its sort of elementary school black and white thinking um you're bad and so i'm going to use my resources to destroy you silence you because you i can't make sense of you and and whatever and then the other side of that is and how can i allow that the place where you are like me rick how can i allow the place that you are wherever it is including you're in black and white faith and and you're scared and so you're lashing out. How can I not be scared and lash out at you? Mm-hmm. Like, how can I respond with strength and clarity and speak clearly and also um, come from a place of, of love? For me, that's where hope is. The hope is in believing that that's even possible because I know it's possible because mm-hmm. I see it happen all the time. I see all of us, you know, these moments when in, in the midst of all of the stuff that people go through and create and there are the you know a, uh, there's a the moment when somebody somehow acts lovingly in the face of um you know poison and yeah. hatred um and sometimes to act lovingly is um to to say no i'm i won't go quietly but not to do so with violence or hatred or whatever yeah i i I mean, Jesus is a social activist. That's a fact. Do you know what I mean? There's no, there's no way to read, um, especially 
the Gospel of Mark. And I think that's true too in the other synoptics. Um, there's no way to read Jesus and not see him, as, I don't think, and not see him as somebody who is affecting change in his culture. And he's doing so by teaching nonviolence and also resistance to um, systemic evil. Um, and he was hopeful about it. And I, I think I have to be hopeful about it as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know how it's going to turn out. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know. The thing that you were saying earlier about, you know, history is cyclical and things come back around and, you know, Gandhi says, when I despair, I remember that all through history, the way of truth and love has always won. Uh, there have been tyrants and murderers, and for a time they can seem invincible, but in the end they always fall. Yeah. Right? There have always been tyrants and murderers. Period. There have always been tyrants and murderers. Guess what? There will always be tyrants and murderers. I wish that that were not the case, but I, I, it's far better for me personally to just say, you know what? I, I get that there will always be people who will use whatever weapons are at their disposal because they are afraid or they were taught to be afraid or it was what was modeled for them. And they are wrapped in the flag or wrapped in the Bible or wrapped in their doctrine or wrapped in their, whatever's on my bad list. You know yeah. what I mean? Like my personal list of what makes you a bad person. Right. Yeah. In which case, wow, how am I different from the people who have made their list about what makes me a bad person? Right. So, yeah, um, yeah for, for me, hope is I find hope by believing that it is possible for a good thing to be true in the midst of um, hatred and fear. And I know that that's true because I see it all the time. And, um, and you know, history is long you know what i mean um there's a there's a lot before us and there'll be a lot after us i think unless we you know burn the whole place down which is entirely possible in which case by the way when we say we're going to save the earth i don't think we're trying to i don't i think mother our mother will be fine mm. you know what i mean she'll be she'll be a little burned here and there and her water levels will be off but after we are scraped off you know what i mean she's yeah. gonna be like whoo well, that feels good. How about a shower? You know, just <laughs> right, let me yeah. let me start over. Wow, I knew something was itching. Now right. it's gone. This last five thousand years have been something. Right. Um. <laughs> wow, those assholes. Those assholes. Okay, good. Yeah, fresh start now, please. Yeah, it, it makes me think of like you know hope as a resistance, and um. This is something I, I have discussed with some friends, but going down to the Capitol and being, you know, with, you know, it's a ton of queer people that are, we're in, especially trans folks that are mm -hmm. literally fighting for their lives. And, yeah. you know, just knowing them and seeing them and knowing that these are some of the most, I, I could say the most fierce activists, mm -hmm. but knowing them personally, they are also the most kindest people. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, and people don't see that, like they don't understand that because <laughs> they're just so they're just so used to being assholes. I'll just say it. Uh, right. Yeah. You know, just and that that is what gives me hope is getting to know people, right? Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm with you. And I think that you, what you just said about seeing that in the midst of the good fight, that there's still you know, this, that there are so many people who are acting, mm-hmm. even their passion, even especially their passion is an act of love. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's gives me hope, you know, um, all great change becomes because of, um, because of love and um partly that's why we're so pissed off you know Mm -hmm. what i mean yeah i mean i think that's part of why jesus and the jewish prophets and john the baptist um you know you name it these beautiful women and men and um, sisters brothers and others throughout history who you know what why go to the trouble to critique something if you don't love it yeah you know what i mean yeah um when I was a kid during the consciousness revolutions, I remember the bumper sticker, America, love it or leave it. <laughs> well, um, why do you think I'm protesting? It's because I love my country. Right. Yeah. Because I love, you know, as Martin Luther King said, I'm, I'm the, the, you guys wrote us a check and we're going to cash it in. Right. You know what I mean? This is the promise you made um, and I'm going to hold you to it. Uh, that for the, the queer people and the trans people, um, and their allies who are, st- you know, going to the Capitol and protesting, they're doing that out of love mm-hmm. for this thing that we believe is possible. Uh, that gives me hope, even with all of the resistance and hatred and corruption and bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, by the way, systems of power being corrupt and full of shit is nothing new. Right. You know I mean? Yeah. I'm not saying that to minimize it. I'm just saying the reality, mm-hmm. you know. That's just how it works. That's how people in their brokenness behave. And so um, what is there to do? Hide or speak up? Let's speak up. You know what I mean? And by the way, um, one of my seminary professors that I loved way, 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 way back said, um, just offhanded one day in class, you're going to have a few opportunities in your ministry to career to be crucified. So pick them well. Hmm. I mean, there's no going up against the system and not being crushed by it at some level, somehow. And I've been fired and crucified a few times. It's no big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it hurts. And, you know, I mean, Jesus was very clear. This is all about life, death, and rebirth. Like, you know what I mean? So are you, what, what do you, what are you doing? I think that would be Jesus, you, your original question. What do you think Jesus <laughs> would say to the church? What are you doing? Right. What was the what was the YouTube? What was the guy? What 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 are you doing? You know the sassy gay friend video. What 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 are you doing? Like <laughs> that would be Jesus's response. Like y'all, what are you doing? What are you doing? And this whole thing about well, God, why is this like that? That to which why is this like that? To which God says, Yeah, tell me why is it like that? I'm not there. You're the ones that are there. Do something. So that's an act of hope. It's just to say, okay, well, let's do something. Yeah. Well, an hour well, go, has gone by very fast. Wow. Oh <laughs> I know, my goodness. It's already been an hour. Um, dang. It was really good to talk to you. Do you have anything that you would like to promote? I know that you said that you're working on a, a kid's book. Um, I would like to promote complete social upheaval. That is what I would like to promote. Oh, you mean a product of my <laughs> own to promote... <laughs> Yeah, um, that, that one's good too. Uh, yeah, that that too. Um, uh, uh, um, I would like cast to cast down promote, the patriarchy. 
Com- yes, complete. Uh, speaking of Santa Fe, my wife and I were at um, uh, a wonderful arts festival, which they have there all the time. There's the Native American um, uh, uh, Arts Institute that specifically um, uh, makes art available, art classes and creation available for Native American uh, students. And uh, a group of them had made a, t- a bunch of T-shirts. We bought, each of us bought one, uh, black, um, on it is a woman's hand. She's holding a sage stick. Uh, she has a beautiful uh, Native American bracelet and her middle finger is raised. Nice. And the lettering is Dear Patriarchy. <laughs> like that's the shirt. So what would I like to uh, promote? I would like to promote the destruction of all oppressive, sick and um, unholy systems that rule the world and and uh, take a number because there's lots before us and there'll be a lot after us but that doesn't mean we shouldn't do the good fight just go to drrickdiamond.com for the latest I'm teaching classes and I'm doing a thing and leading retreats and I'm available for all kinds of stuff and um, so yeah just come and see very cool well Rick again thank you so much for taking time out of your day for us Yeah, you are amazing for what you're doing in the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Rick. How great was it to have Rick Diamond with us for our 10th episode? 10 episodes already. It's going by so fast. It's been so fun. Uh, Next week, we have Susan Cottrell with us, whose ministry is called Free Hearts. I want you to go ahead and do some research, do your homework, look up Susan Cottrell's TED Talk on YouTube, and come ready to listen next Thursday. She's amazing. Um, I just love the work that she's doing, and she continues to do uh, with her and her husband. But anyway, we will see you all next week. Be kind, continue to fight for those that you love, and call your legislators, do all the things, and have a wonderful weekend, week, day, evening, wherever you are, whenever you listen to this podcast. See you next time. Goodbye.